everyone, and welcome to the podcast, Addict in the Attic. I'm Dan, and I'm here to chat to you about my life of addiction and my road to recovery. Thanks for joining me. Hello, and welcome to episode four of Addict in the Attic. I was feeling uh, a little bit ordinary last time I spoke to you. I'm glad to tell you that I am back to my best. Thanks for listening if you did last week. A little bit of housekeeping. Don't hate housekeeping. It always reminds me of uh, PDs or, and the toilets are over there and help yourself to tea and coffee. I wish I could offer you tea and coffee, but what I can offer you is a new email, which is exciting because I would love to hear from people. So that is Addict in the Attic Tonight at gmail.com. Addict in the Attic Tonight at gmail.com please use it to uh, tell me you know any problems you have or anything you'd like me to uh, discuss possibly uh, people who would want want to be interviewed all you need is a laptop uh, and I can send you a link and uh, we can talk uh, for the 20 minute slot but yes that's an email dedicated to this website of course it is totally anonymous so as I was saying I was feeling a little shite last time I spoke and it's interesting that sometimes there's really no reason for feeling that way I couldn't put a finger on it at all and then I kind of did and yeah I just it was people just invading kind of my peace and quiet in my house which is weird people coming coming over and just unannounced and, and you know that made me really irritable and I guess some something to do with my sobriety I I'm quite protective of it I guess and when suddenly there's something uh, enforced on me in a way no one was drinking it was just you know I had my things set in my head of what my weekend looked like and then suddenly it didn't look like that anymore and I was a bit resentful and resentment is the worst thing. An example, my wife and I have just been going through this thing where the, the I closed my gym membership because I got injured and people at the gym, you know, they were meant to close it off but they didn't, they kept it going thinking I'd come back but we never really wanted them to do that and they started charging us so it was like 300 bucks and the money really we're not too fussed about but it's the principle and my wife worked for them and everything and they just turned around and you know treated us like shit basically and it was really killing us like for for a week there we were just struggling and you know then I just thought let's just it's their problem their business their brand that they just don't care Uh, it's all about the mighty dollar and we don't care about that so let's just put it behind us and you know within the next couple of days my son had joined basketball and and did really well with his new team and my daughter came home with a couple of trophies from dance and it all just turned around and I was like you know this is this is it this let's focus on us and the good Uh, other people's problems we can't do much about them so I think a lot of that in addiction as well is really important putting resentments aside and thinking let's just focus on the positives otherwise you can go in a downward spiral and think fuck it I'm gonna just drink and get fucked up and be fucked up like everyone else who's acting like that but you can't you gotta keep your head up and just think let's just focus on the good and we're traveling well now yeah we're really focusing on the positives and our little family unit's humming along again which is really nice because it was just a silly thing stupid but yeah, some people just act weird uh, and forget all the things that are important when they run businesses sometimes. But some people are just like that. That's life. Uh, talking of life, I'm going to go back a little bit and talk about me as a kid. So I mentioned that my, my, my mother drowned when I was 10 years old. So she was on a, on a party boat out in Gage Roads, which is off Fremantle, where all the big container ships from overseas like wait their turn to come into port. 
And at the time, there was a um, big USS naval ship in as well, a battleship. And boats would go out and have a look at the battleships as um, something to do. And it was a hot summer's night. I'll never forget that. And they went out on a boat. My mum was inappropriately dressed in high heels. And they were having pre-drinks at my house, uh, at our house, right on the beach. And um, they, as I said, we were really blessed. We were were pretty uh, spoiled, really. We uh, had were having pizza outside, and I, I remember my mum and dad walking off into the sunset. Literally, it was a blazing sunset, and unfortunately, she was drinking on this shit on this uh, boat, a launch, and fell overboard. And no one freaking knew that she'd fallen overboard. By the time they did, she was uh, long gone. It was at night time out in the Indian Ocean. So I'll never forget the policeman knocking on the door and their news just changed our lives forever. She was missing at sea for a couple of days but was found uh, by a fisherman. And that was pretty tragic, obviously, and traumatic and was never dealt with. I went to school like literally one day off and then back to school and uh, I remember some kids were pretty cruel about it. It was all over the news. Uh, I remember auntie took us down to the delicatessen to get an ice cream and they had those news boards like little metal cages with the headline news and it said uh, mother of four missing at sea and it just really hit home when I saw that the ice cream was forgotten uh, my poor auntie and we were just yeah kind of realized what what was actually happening and as I said I thought that looking back for years and years through my teens and 20s and 30s and really just up to a year and a half ago I, I felt that that was this massive event in my life that caused me to drink. And it was at my dad's wedding uh, a couple of years later to my then stepmother, who's no longer my stepmother, that I first got plastered drunk. I was probably 11, 12 maybe. Uh, hadn't got drunk before, but there was alcohol at his wedding and I got drunk. And I think that's that's a bit of a problem that we allow kids to get drunk at functions like that. I think it's pretty irresponsible. I don't blame my uh, family for letting me get drunk. That was my thing that I, I would have snuck around and, and drank it. But sometimes I think we we they don't that kids aren't even sneaking it. It's just something we kind of go, oh, it's culture. Yeah, isn't it funny? The kids getting drunk and people were laughing about me getting drunk. I had tennis racket underpants on apparently and just kept coming back out. They kept trying to put me to bed. To be fair. But I kept coming out and dancing in my undies and I was quite humiliated, to be honest. Uh, but looking back, I drank to get smashed that night and that's the same way I drank for the rest of my life. So it really wasn't to do with the trauma and I'm pretty certain now that I drank to get drunk, engaged the fever, the chronic craving, the allergy at 11 years of age and, and that was with me for life. And for years and years and years and years, I tried to uh, sort out the trauma. Finally dealt with that, thank God, because that was still there. Absolutely. I had a lot of anger, I've realized. Went on a um, men's course uh, in Queensland to, to sort that out and really dealt with it. And it was fantastic. It was a weight off, but it didn't relieve the craving of alcohol, which... Thank God, once I had dealt with the trauma, I was able to realize that, yeah, that craving is something that's in my blood and I will always have it. And it was such a freedom to be able to realize that and go, okay, now I can just forget about uh, trying to deal with the trauma anymore and fix that and fix my drinking because I'm an alcoholic and I just cannot drink. So it was a real weight off. But obviously, uh, yeah, that incident being such a huge one... For years, I did think that was the cause of my drinking. You know, a lot of people get into drinking and, and addiction 
through trauma. And, you know, it may be I had a lot of sadness to deal with and drinking helped. But, yeah, I feel like in my bones, no matter where I'm at or how I feel, once I pick up that first drink, my relationship with alcohol is such that it is never enough. Simple as that. So I'm quite peace at peace with that, the idea of not drinking because I know I can't. Uh, one drink is too many and a thousand million is not enough. And that's how I drank. I just could not empty you know, I'd empty houses of their liquor. That's That was my goal. I just needed to drink everything. And I'm a bit like that now with, like, lollies and stuff. I'll still eat them until they're gone sort of thing. I, I saw people smoke pot the same way. I was always confused by that. You know, you'd score some good marijuana or something, and then people would um, just smoke it all and be like, you're stoned. Like, why are you still smoking? That's a waste. Save it for the next time you you want to get high but of course that's exactly what i was doing with alcohol i just needed to smash it all down and get as drunk as possible like these people wanted to get as high as possible even though you can't really get higher so yeah the relationship i had with alcohol was just simply not enough i couldn't get enough and of course that just leads to blackout and huge huge uh damage Uh, you just can't vouch for anything that you do there's no way you can vouch for other people's safety or anything like that. You just uh, you lose all, all all helpful thoughts. Basically, I turn into another person. People wouldn't. People talk about Jekyll and Hyde. I, th- I kind of became like this walking zombie. My friends say that I just stared right through them. No recognition of them. That was a problem. I never used to pass out or even spew. I'd just keep drinking. I'd go into this zombie-like state and just. But I'd get in trouble. You know, I'd go up to people and think I know them and didn't and you know, harass people, not violently, but just emotionally. And I don't know, I, I, but I can't really say what I did because it's all blackout stuff where God knows. And that's the horror, waking up to that sort of feeling that I really can't vouch for what I did. And as I left, so, you know, 11, I got drunk. I didn't drink um, crazily after that, but whenever we'd go out and drink, I would get drunk. That was always the goal. And it, yeah, no, I never had a talk it was never like, oh, you shouldn't drink. or It was just part of the family and brothers and sisters older than me. I was the youngest of four, so they were all drinking pretty heavily too. And my dad was uh, full-time working. Mum was gone, obviously. So we are pretty free to do whatever we wanted. And there was no alcohol was never shunned in our family. It was quite accepted because most of uh, the family was drinking and didn't really want to have that conversation particularly because we just had sort of shoved mum's death under the mat like I always thought well if we didn't deal with that I'm not going to tell people I'm a bit worried about drinking that seems rather minor compared to we just don't deal with stuff obviously that's how we roll we uh if you don't deal with a drowning of your matriarch then perhaps you don't talk about stuff unfortunately that's the lesson I learned uh from it was that we don't talk about it and talking is everything in recovery. It really is. Well, for me, I can't vouch for everyone, but for me, it's, uh, you know, reading's good, but listening to other people's stories, talking about your own, just unburdening a lot of this stuff and the guilt, you know, you've you got to realise that the guilt is not yours really to carry alone because we suffer from a disease and as an alcoholic there's so much shame and guilt and remorse that you shouldn't have to bear that on your own and and I felt like a complete loser and a widow felt like I was alone um no one no one in my group was as bad as I was and and so you know with alcoholics you can you can talk and share and know that you you know you're with like-minded people because it 
we don't drink like other people. We don't act like other people. So you can't really talk to your best mate about uh, your addiction unless they're an addict because it's not going to help. You'll just feel guilty and probably shameful as well. But you, you can probably get to that point. I haven't yet. I talk to my friends about it. They're really supportive, actually, and that's fantastic. But that's a challenge, and I'll probably talk about that in another uh, podcast because your friends and family, it's it's a challenge. I think because of my age, it was a little bit easier, but I, you know, I've met alcoholics who are in their 20s and stuff, and that's... That would be really challenging. You know, your friends, that's exactly what drives them, drinking and um, socialising through alcohol. So that's another challenge. So I went to college, which was just drinking nonstop. You can imagine, like a campus college. That's when I kind of really started forming some bad habits with alcohol because there was always someone drinking, whether it was Monday through to Sunday. Someone was. And so I could. they were drinking maybe one or two days, but I could kind of drink all days if I wanted to and I didn't want to it was exhausting and tiring but people knew I'd have a few and then I'd be on and I'd go out partying other people would uh, not have to drink the house down after one or two but I certainly would and I'd be charging so some really bad habits uh, flunked out of uni and my alcoholism was now truly affecting my life. Um, I started drink driving, really, really lucky not to have killed myself. I mentioned a few sort of vehicle incidents uh, in the last podcast were just, yeah, really dangerous. Alcohol, cars, obviously, and lucky to survive those years in college. I ended up in um, hospital uh, with alcohol poisoning after a, a sort of a last day of uni bender i was delivering pizzas at the time delivering pizzas without a license because i'd lost my license dui and was trying to pay off my fine by driving pizzas around the place living at uni and uh, I, it was my last exam i was doing science everyone else was back at the college getting drunk so you know i delivered these pizzas and rushed home got alcohol on the way home and then just started chugging like drinking like a crazy person feeling like i had to catch up to get smashed as they were i just that's the kind of mindset and we ended up going out to the casino and drinking and drinking and drinking and then they kicked us out of there and we went to um, these random polish guys apartment block one of those big concrete apartment blocks and I, as I say, I was just like, drink the house down. I said, what have you got? You know, we didn't come here to play. And they were acting really, really dodgy. It was me and a mate and two girls. And they put on some really hardcore sort of European porn and walked in on one of my friends, the girl in the, in the toilet. And just, it was getting dodgy. And I remember drinking a, a full midi of Polish vodka, a full midi. Um, sculled it you know it was suicidal drinking it really was I, I got to the point where it was just like I don't know what I was trying to do other than kill myself really but I didn't I wasn't depressed and I didn't feel like that during the day I mean sorry during sober time just when I'd get on one of those um, benders there was not enough alcohol in the world so anyway we left because it was getting really dodgy and then I as I sometimes did like you lose your car keys and I was like oh my keys I left them back in the place and I didn't even have my keys with me so I went back while the other three were trying to call a taxi you know they thought I'd come back to be with them and kind of then I tried to leave and they tried to stop me and a fight ensued and I just bolted out the door away from these two men and ran, running down the concrete steps just fell down the last three or four and just smashed my face into the concrete floor and um, broke my nose and my wrist and ended up in the back of the ambulance and I was telling the ambulance drivers apparently because 
one of my friend girlfriends was in the car in the ambulance with me and telling them that I wanted alcohol and making jokes about playing coins or like beer pong but coins back in those days and then I vomited on my on myself and choked and uh, they had to pull over the ambulance and start my heart again so that was the first time that pretty much killed myself done a John Bonham drinking I woke up in hospital broken and my dad came in and he's a, he's a surgeon and, and helped me out and you know just sort of said oh yeah you'll be all right and made sure I was sorted didn't really ask what the what the hell are you doing but was always there in his role as a doctor to help and my friend was really shook up about it and I kind of just laughed it off and another mate came and picked me up and we were drinking very soon after that and then I went down and had sort of an end of year holiday piss up again with a broken nose and a broken wrist to cast on and I've got pictures of me drinking just I'm a complete mess someone I should have just had a good hard look and gone this is really really bad and yeah my girlfriend was really upset by it and I just kind of refused to talk about it or just see it as anything other than a funny little mishap but it was way more than that so that was drinking to excess just got me in a lot of lot of strife and in the next uh, podcast I'll kind of talk about that the next stage of my life where I kind of uh, well at the same time I was, I was playing sport and I think sport's a really interesting one but we'll talk about that in the next podcast I think so the key points I think tonight is resentment I think that leads to picking up a drink again so if you can you know be grateful grateful lists are good and just try to be positive and accept that other people's problems often impact your life and they shouldn't because they're their issues feel sorry for them if you can and just that alcohol the disease is powerful and it was for me right from the age of 11 and you might confuse you know your behavior as appalling when really it's just this complete craving that, that can never be fulfilled so thanks for listening tonight. Anyone out there who would like to get in touch with me and uh, share your story or get on the show, uh, that would be great to have. Uh, I'm looking to do some interviews. Drop me a line on attic in the attic tonight at gmail.com. Hope you're doing well, keeping healthy one day at a time. That's the Attic in the Attic signing off for tonight. Look forward to sharing again next episode. Bye for now.